study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 381 4567, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. Good evening and welcome. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, November the 26th, 2009. Thanks for being there tonight. Thanks for joining us for our weekly Internet Bible Study group. We are sure you've had a, a busy day, and we appreciate the fact that you've taken time at the end of the day to join us for a period of Bible study. What better way to end the day than to look to God's Word and get some guidance from from His inspired instructions for us. Thanks for b- joining us tonight on the Virtual Bible Study. My name is Greg Gwynn. Uh, as you can see, I'm not in my usual seat. I'm in the co- I'm in the pilot seat. I usually I usually sit in the co-pilot seat, but tonight I'm in the pilot seat. And uh, those of you who have seen me do this before know that that's a, sort of a nerve-wracking enterprise for me. But I'm trying my best. Uh, Jacob is out of town tonight, visiting uh, with relatives in Florida, and so uh, I've got to drive the controls. We'll try to do that without any hiccups tonight. Hope we can get that accomplished. Joining me for the virtual Bible study tonight is my good friend Chris Bates. Chris, thanks for being. Here. And thank you, and I agree. What better way to spend our Thanksgiving than uh, coming together to, st- to discuss the uh, teaching in the Scriptures? I appreciate the invitation, and I thank the uh, elders here at the College View Church for the opportunity to come and work on the program tonight. Uh, we always look forward to having you, Chris, and some of you will recognize Chris's voice. Chris, from the very beginning of the Virtual Bible Study, did our uh, intros and our promos, and uh, we appreciate that. We've been using those for a long time, Chris, and we appreciate them always. So you recognize his voice, and you'll hear him tonight as we go to various commercial breaks. You'll hear his his intros and so forth. So uh, thanks, Chris. We look forward to your participation with us on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. As always, we're looking for your input. We think that the Virtual Bible Study is better when we get a lot of audience participation. And uh, so we'd like for you to do that. Uh, you can call us. Our phone number is toll-free, 877-381-4567. Or you can send us an email, and we'll try to field our emails throughout the program. If they As they come in, we'll try to go to them. Our email address is questions at collegeview.com. Remember, College View is spelled kind of funny, C-O-L-L-E-G-E-V-U-E, collegeview.com. Questions at collegeview.com will send us an email, and we'll try to pick those up just as soon as they come in. Also, uh, notice that if you're watching on the video stream at ustreamtv.com, uh, or just ustream.tv, I guess it is, uh, you'll notice as that scrolling across the screen are, is some information about how you can chat with others. We have a live chat room going. That's an unmoderated chat, chat room. We don't have time to get in there and, and, and uh, negotiate all the comments that come and go, so we expect you to behave yourself if you get in the <laughs> chat room. Uh, I, I see that Anthony is already in there. And it looks like maybe Jacob in Florida is participating in the chat room. He's not live on the program tonight, but he's live in the chat room. And you can get in there with those fellows and some others. It looks like we've got several observers. Uh, you can get an, a, a, a free, easy account uh, at uh, Ustream, and you can join in the chat. You don't. It, you have to have a 
an account in order to participate, but it's easy to do and it's free. And I'd encourage you to do that so you can get in that chat room and talk away. All right, let's talk about our topic uh, for tonight. As as our regular listeners know, earlier in the day on Thursday, we always send out an update reminding you about the program and telling you about what we're going to talk about on that given broadcast. And tonight we decided, since this is Thanksgiving, Chris, and we ought to really be grateful. I mean that that's uh, I mean sure. that's what this day. It's a man-made day. Obviously, it's not a Bible day. It's not anything that the Scripture mandates. But I think anything that we can do that reminds us to be thankful for all the things we have is a good thing. Can't be bad. No, it can't be. It, it's rooted in uh, the attitude of the Christian. At least the this day for us would be. Uh, you, you're right to say that every day should be a day uh, of gratefulness, of gratitude to the Lord, of thanksgiving. But how much more for us uh, when we have a day that even our government sets aside as a national holiday, letting our families get together, taking off from work, and just being able to enjoy one another's company, and, and have a day where you're uninterrupted as far as reflecting on all that uh, is good, all that the Lord has done for you. And we can appreciate statements even more so uh, when, we're, when we're not uh, clouded with, with um, all the distractions. A statement such as in James chapter 1 about every good and perfect gift uh, from the Father coming down, of course, from above. Uh, and he is the one who has no variation or shadow of turning. So we have all of these good and perfect gifts from him. What a, what a great opportunity to be thankful and to demonstrate that uh, on a day like this. Exactly right. We, uh, we always have... Since Thanksgiving always hits on Thursday, we mm-hmm. always have a Thanksgiving edition of the Virtual Bible Study, have had for the last four years. Uh, and we have talked in previous episodes about gratefulness, about being thankful. Tonight, I thought we might approach it from the other side of the coin. Talk about something that keeps us from being the grateful kind of people that we ought to be. Uh, and so tonight, we're going to talk about complaining, uh, offering criticism. And uh, so to our update list earlier today, I sent these questions. Number one, what do you think are some of the wrong motives that can cause people to complain? Number two, what do you think are some good motives that might lead us to offer criticism? Number three, what biblical principles should we remember concerning judging others? And number four, how can we improve our abilities to be positive with criticism rather than negative? And so that's the way we're going to go about this. But I think you can see in the questions as I compose them that, Chris, it's not wrong necessarily to offer criticism. Uh, and I, I'm using criticism as a, as a synonym to the word complain. Sometimes we need to complain. Some things, sometimes things are not right. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think especially in, in terms of uh, spiritual issues, uh, there are times when our criticism uh, is needed. And if one wants to interpret that as complaining, I mean, you know, we can, we can kind of haggle over that. But uh, in fact, I think we can go to the scriptures and see a number of examples where criticism was offered. I think you see it often throughout Paul's writings of, of some of the Jewish Christians who were trying to bind things that were not bound in heaven upon the uh, Christians who were Gentiles by their nature, or at least by their nationality, whatever nation they were from, they were not of the nation of Israel, so they were considered Gentiles, and and, uh, they were being told certain things that they needed to do in order to be saved that conflicted with the New Testament message. And I think that 
Um, there was criticism of that, and rightly so, criticism that was from heaven revealed by the Spirit through the writings of, of various men in the New Testament. So I think there's a time for criticism, and I think it's certainly right. Well, Jesus himself was very critical of some of the religious mm-hmm. practices and, some, and, min, and many, if not most, of the religious leaders of his day. He offered necessary criticism. So maybe even also of his own disciples at times. Criticism, criticism of his own disciples. Exactly. When he told Peter, "Get thee behind me, Satan." That's <laughs> pretty, pretty strong. Criti- pretty critical. Yeah. So sometimes we have to to offer correction, instruction. Something's going wrong. It needs to be made better. And sometimes we cannot ignore that. And so. How do we balance the need to sometimes offer correction, criticism, even complain that something's not right? How do we do that and do it in a right way? Because I got to tell you, Chris, I've known some people who were just horrible, negative complainers, and they were a huge discouragement. They offered no positive help to the work that was trying that we were trying to accomplish in the kingdom of God, and uh, truthfully. Uh, we could have done better without them than with them if that's all they were going to do. So how do what we want to talk about tonight is how do we balance that? How do we how do we say even negative things that have to be said but do it in such a way that it can result in things going a better way? Well, I think the first thing you have to do in a situation like that this is just my opinion and and maybe there's something that we should do first before this, but I think the first thing we have to do is do some self-examination. When In 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5, Paul uh, argued there for the Corinthians to examine themselves to make sure that uh, that uh, they were in fact in the faith and to uh, to realize that Jesus Christ was in them. So if this is the case of us, then that doesn't mean that criticism is going to be ruled out, but it does mean that we're going to have an attitude about criticism it's kind of it's kind of like uh, you know sitting back and being critical of every single thing like you mentioned but then not offering any assistance to make the thing better if there's something in the kingdom that needs our attention then it needs more than just uh, supervisors. It needs more than just chiefs. It needs people that are willing a to. A few Indians. That's right. It needs to roll up some sleeves and get to the work. Uh, I, and I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to sound sound an alarm here or, or, or something along that line. But uh, I'll tell you, there have been quite a few that have been extremely critical of the work of preaching and seem to have all of this figured out, but have done nothing to help in that respect. And uh, I think that preachers appreciate those who offer constructive criticism of, of the way that they might have said a thing that might have been more effective if they'd said something this way. So I think that when we're offering criticism, the first thing that we need to do, or if we're complaining for that matter, is make sure that we look to self to find out that uh, we have some right to make some argument in that in that case. And then we need to make sure that we're, uh, you know, again, properly approaching this with the right motive in kindness, uh, in love for the for the one involved in the criticism and on and on. OK, we want to get into some of that as we develop this theme throughout the program. I think you've put us on the right track, Chris. You mentioned something about preachers receiving criticism. And I think as preachers, you and I being gospel preachers we're a little sensitive to this subject of criticism because sometimes people are pretty quick to offer their criticisms of preachers and often we need it i'm not saying we don't need it uh but this this is a subject that strikes kind of close to home because people are sometimes pretty quick to give their criticisms of preachers and the way they do their work uh and i got to tell you through the years there have been some people who tremendously helped me sure by saying you know you could do this better you could do this a different way there have been other people 
that I, I truthfully, and, and I may have even needed what they were saying, but the way they approached me about it didn't help me at all. And I didn't, and I wasn't very receptive of what they said. Now that, that obviously can be a problem on my end too, on the receiving end, but there's got to be a good way to do this, a, a helpful way to do this and not a hurtful way to do this. I think also you mentioned that some people who have helped you, I haven't had the privilege of working with elders on a, on a regular basis, but in one particular uh, opportunity that I had in working and preaching, I did, and and those elders were extremely helpful in, in their criticism and their constructive uh, advice to me. So I, I find criticism sometimes to be needful, and I find it to be helpful. And so I want to make sure, I'm not sure that I'm always this way, but I want to make sure that I'm working to this end to not take it personally first. But when I'm offering the criticism, which is primarily kind of what we started out on here, I need to make sure that I don't have an axe to grind here, that I'm not doing this just because I want to make myself feel better, maximize self, minimize the other fellow, but rather I want to make sure that my criticism is first rooted in a love for the truth, a love for his soul, uh, a desire to uh, correct something that I believe is perhaps potentially harmful and detrimental to his soul. Yeah, exactly right. I, uh, before we get to our first break, well, we're coming up on it. Let's take our first break, and then let's, let's get into this. How are we going to approach this problem? How can we be effective in this business of correcting people, uh, offering constructive criticism instead of just being sort of nagging complainers. Let's talk about that as we get into our program. We want your input. You can join us by giving us a phone call at 877-381-4567, or you can give us an email at questions at collegeview.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're going to go to a break, and when we get back, we'll, we'll talk further on this subject as we investigate the subject of complaining on this Thanksgiving night. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Do you remember when elders, deacons, preachers, Bible class teachers, and all church members had a strong commitment to the Word? Do you recall when you could always count on book, chapter, and verse preaching from the pulpit? Can you think back to a time when Christians were known as people of the book because they knew their Bible so well? We're trying to be like a church you read about in the Bible, and we're still doing the same things that you remember from way back when. Are you longing for a return for the way things used to be? Come and visit. See for yourself at the College View Church of Christ. Hello, my name is Kent Bumgardner. My family and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Please join us. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. All right, and we're back. Thanks for joining us on the virtual Bible study tonight. We're talking about complaining uh, as a potential uh, hindrance to us being the kind of thankful people we ought to be, Chris. And as as I think about offering complaint or criticism, I believe the first thing that I need to do is to ask in this in this total scenario, is it possible that I myself am the problem? In other words, I can think of situations where here's a local congregation. Things are not going well. Maybe some things are, are happening that shouldn't be happening. It's going the wrong direction. Things are just not going well. Is it possible that I am the problem or at least I'm a part of the problem and that a lot of improvement could be made if I was just willing to look to myself? I think it's certainly possible that that is the case in, in a number of of circumstances like that. And I think that one of the hardest things for us to do is to look at that perspective that uh, it may just be that we are a part of the problem and not those who have the right yet to complain about a thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm 
reminded of Jesus's very familiar statement in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew sure. 7, beginning verse 3. He said, Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. As we've talked about that passage, Chris, I think we've pointed out that Jesus was not saying that I ought to overlook even a minor problem with my brother. But he was saying, I certainly ought to take care of my own problems first. And I, the, the picture that Jesus drew there, it's, 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 it's very typical the way Jesus taught. He used extreme hyperbole here for the purpose of emphasizing his point. And the picture is of a guy with a literal beam, a board sticking right. out of his eye. And while that board is still sticking out of his own eye, he wants to reach and pick a speck out of someone else's eye. Uh, it's, I mean, you get the picture. Here's the picture. Uh, can can you imagine someone waking up in the morning and they've got this bloodshot deal running through their eye? And you can see it. You notice it right off. The big red thing going right across the face, right across the eye. Uh, and and you need you, you feel the compel to tell them about that. So what you're hoping is that they don't see the telephone pole that is coming out of your eye socket. Yeah. You, you, you just walk up and say, hey, there's something in your eye. Yeah. And it's almost like it, you're bordering on the ridiculous here because you've got this pole coming out of your eye and you're noticing this speck. But uh, if I might say just quickly one thing about what you had said, Greg, uh, you mentioned that Jesus was not suggesting that we could not address um, by way of judging uh, the brother if he had something wrong let's just let's just uh, put to rest some of the myths the myths that have come from this uh, faulty interpretation of the passage that we can't judge at all therefore we can't complain therefore we can't uh, be critical of something in the same gospel in Matthew chapter 18 Jesus said in verse 15 if your brother sins go and reprove him in private if he listens you want your brother so was there a criticism there was there a complaint that was brought up uh, here was a case where someone sinned and another took issue with the sin we can see this played out in an example in Galatians 2 with with Paul and Peter uh, who criticized in a very harsh way Peter in the presence of many who had caused even Barnabas, the son of consolation and encouragement, to go astray uh, in hypocrisy. So, no, we're, we're, we do not accept the interpretation that Matthew 7, specifically verses 1 through 5, uh, ridicules and condemns all judging by way of a complaint that is legitimate. Uh, it does ridicule and condemn the hypocritical approach to that. I would, I would argue, and I think I could prove this if, if, if we took the time to go to all, all through the, the specific instructions of Jesus. There is not a place anywhere in the teaching or practice of Jesus where he told us to overlook something that's wrong. Right. Sweep it under the rug. Leave it alone. Don't deal with it. He never said that. And we're not saying that either. But but what Jesus clearly taught here in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5, is you need to look to yourself first. Correct anything that needs to correct it in your own life. Then you'll be in a much better position to offer those instructions and criticisms to others when they need it. Uh, if 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 you know that I got great big issues going on in my life, Chris, and I'm not and I'm not taking care of them, then you're not going to be very interested in hearing what I have to say about your problems. That's right. Uh, your your reaction is going to be, hey, 
you need sure. to, you need to go look in the mirror. But you know, on the other hand, on the other, I think that's right. On the other hand, though, I don't know that that would be a justified response on my end because even though I might have sure. problems with the fact that you're not taking care of your issues, if I'm not taking care of mine, then regardless of the character of the one sending the rebuke, I need the rebuke. Period. And then once I get that. Uh, that uh, beam out of my eye, then I need to go and look, uh, you know, for that opportunity to give you the same the same possibility of restoration. But uh, you know, I need to be able to receive the criticism and rebuke, if, especially if it's a valid criticism. Exactly right. So my my first my first thought then ought to be whenever I've got this this feeling, this is wrong. Something needs to be done differently or better. First thing I need to see is. Wait a minute. Am I the problem or at least am I a part of the problem? And if so, take care of that first up. I think that's fair. I think that that's a good starting place as we as we talk about this. The the second thing that that we need to ask is what's my motive here in complaining? And we ask that question. What what are some of the wrong motives that people might have in offering criticisms? And what are some good motives that might lead us uh, to to criticize, uh, we know that God is fully aware of what's going on in our heart, and it, and, and, and if I t- if, if I I'm, I'm using I'm using you, Chris, because you're you're sitting right here. But if if I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna say something to Chris. I've got a gripe. I've got a complaint. I and and by the way, I can make myself look good by putting him down, and. I might even offer this criticism in front of other people for that reason, because my real motive is I want to make myself look better sure. and I want to make you look worse. That's clearly a wrong motive, right? Yeah, it is a wrong motive. And I think I've probably been guilty of something like that in the past, too. Uh, and, and I think it's a, it's a shameful thing, and we need to, to fess up to that. But a lot of times the criticism comes not so much because we're interested in the person that we're, we're critical of or complaining about, uh, turning the life around, but rather hiding something that we don't want others to know about ourselves. We want to feel better uh, about ourselves, uh, not only in the presence of others, but maybe even self-guilt. We, we know that we're doing something wrong. You mentioned that God knows our hearts. And not only does God know the heart of man, but he knows the every action and thought of man. In Hebrews 4 and verse 13, the Hebrew writer made the case that there is no creature who is hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So sometimes people do things that they're not proud of, that their heart convicts them uh, concerning the wrong because of the teaching of Scripture, but to instead of repenting of that and getting past that, and confessing that to the Lord, they decide we're going to take it out on someone else and make ourselves feel a little bit better about our own fall. Right. Uh, another verse along the same lines, First John 3.20, If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Mm-hmm. If I know in my heart of hearts that I've really got an impure motive in this matter, then I, I should be absolutely positively aware that God in heaven knows what's going on in my heart, and he knows my impure motives even more clearly than I do. And so if my own heart condemns me, I need to know that surely God will condemn me. Now, some of the bad motives. We got an email from Anthony in which he says some bad motives that might cause us to complain. Selfishness, ingratitude, and covetousness. Selfishness because we might complain that we're not getting our fair share or not getting the attention that we think we deserve. Mm. Ingratitude because we fail to be thankful for the things we have and therefore find reason to complain. 
and covetousness is closely related. We complain about what we have because we're always wanting more and more. So there's some there's some bad motives that might prompt us to be uh, in a complaining mindset, uh, especially if I'm. I, I would link several of those things that Anthony mentioned to the idea of envy and jealousy. It, things are going well for somebody else, and I don't think I don't think I'm getting my fair shake here. And so, I, if I get a chance to tear that guy down, I'm going to do it. I'm going to complain about anything he does because I, I basically have an, an envious mindset. And though what I'm about to read from Philippians chapter two. Uh, deals uh, not specifically with that. There's a principle that at play here that I think should apply. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. If that is our attitude, then that will, that will help us from being selfish. It will help us from being uh, even in that respect, covetous uh, in some in some regards. Of course, we can look at other passages in Colossians three to deal with that. Uh, that's right. So we want to be very uh, very mindful of our own heart and our own disposition as we as we offer a complaint and what motive is behind it. Okay, exactly right. Uh, so anything along the lines of I want to make somebody else look bad, I want to get my own way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's my way or the highway. And if I don't get my way, I'm going to complain. Uh, and you've known people like that. Sometimes in the work that we do together in a local congregation, there are things that are left up to our judgment to to achieve. That's within the realm of things that are authorized. We're not saying we're free sure. to go out here and make up our own rules. But with, even within the realm of things authorized, sometimes we have to make judgments about how we're going to proceed. Well, some of us, and I, and I put myself in this category, some of us have strong opinions. I've got strong opinions. And typically, if you want to know my opinion, ask me, I'll tell you. But what I've got to be willing to do is if my opinion is not the one that gets followed in one of the, uh, in, in a judgment-type situation, then I need to be willing to – we're going to talk a little bit about the idea of being submissive to others. But in judgment calls, I don't have to have my way. Uh, one When one way is as good as another – and 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 it's not, and we're not violating any scriptural principles in the doing of a thing. Then, if my criticism, if I'm offering this criticism just because I didn't get my way, then that's wrong. Yeah, that's the wrong motive. That's selfishness again. Yeah, exactly right. Um, sometimes I'm convinced that there are people who criticize with the bad motive of simply wanting to get noticed. They want they they some attention. They, they want some attention. They want people to pay attention to them. So they 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 are almost picking at things that that don't really even deserve criticism, just to make some noise so people will pay attention to them. Well, you know, in 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 theory, and uh, I I think I think for all practical purposes that 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 has probably been accomplished. You know, they they're critical. They're complaining because they want to get noticed, and they have. Uh, it has become noticeable. I would hate to know that that's what I'm remembered for. I'd like to be, uh, and I'm not trying to, to develop some pious attitude here, but I mean, you know, time is running out for everybody in summers. But every day you get a little older, and uh, the older you get, the closer you are to taking the step of death. I'd like to know, or at least to believe, that I would be remembered not for one uh, who was complaining all the time, but was trying to offer encouragement. 
you know, in my in 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 my quite younger days, I was uh, quite uh, uh, quite a complainer. I'd like to believe that I'm not doing that as much these days. And uh, again, stressing without trying to qualify every statement here, we're not talking about not complaining about things that are without the authority of God, but we're talking about uh, the motive behind the complaint. And uh, and making sure that I have at least some right to offer that criticism and complaint. And I don't want to do it from the perspective I just want to be noticed. I, I want to make sure that my heart is right in the complaint or the criticism that I want this person to uh, be restored or come back to the Lord, uh, not just simply to gain some favor with brethren that I have, or others for that matter, that I have, I've been the one that's been critical. I've been the one that's been noticed. I'm the attack dog here. Uh, I want to I want to kind of steer away from that, Okay, if I can. Exactly right. Let's take the other side of the coin. Mm-hmm. What would be some things that would be good motives? In other words, if I'm offering criticism, if and if if we're using this as a synonym to complain, there's something I need to complain about. I need to criticize this. It's not right. It needs to be corrected. What would be some good motives? Anthony says there are absolutely times when we need to offer criticism. Paul told Timothy to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Paul told the Thessalonians to admonish as a brother those from whom we had withdrawn. In general, people are way too sensitive to criticism. And on the flip side, folks are often too scared to offer it when it's needed. Our entire society, and especially Christians, need to develop thicker skin. Oh, good point, Anthony. I appreciate that. And just to stress again, and I'm not trying to to rethink Anthony's comments at all, but we've already dealt with the side of the coin that, you know, from our motive, our perspective, and are we being too harsh? We've accepted that. We've looked at that. Now we're going to look at the other side of the coin, as Anthony points out. You know, we do need to develop some thicker skin. I mean, just take it. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to get off track here, but I'm thinking in, in terms of a conversation that I had with a friend of mine who's a ball coach, and he was critical of another ball coach who was critical of his players, of her, her players, um, saying that she was, you know, kind of kind of raising her voice at them, kind of in their face a lot, and said, you can't talk to these girls this way anymore. This, this, we were in a different day and time. That may or may not be true as it relates to sports or something like that. But, you know, we have also seen that translate into the spiritual realm where we can't be critical anymore. If we do, then we're perceived as being too personal in the attack uh, and that it is an attack, uh, you know, that we, we just we don't want this kind of, of uh, conflict. But, you know, I tell you, you just we just have to suck it up sometimes. We just have to take it and. Uh, especially if the criticism is warranted. Exactly right. Uh, in the chat room, Sharon in South Carolina says that a good motive would be love for the person's soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she says, I find that I find that a lot with my children. She says, no, she loves their soul uh, and therefore she needs to tell them things. She says, I, I don't see that as criticisms, but many times they do. Uh, so I agree with her. You know, if, if we're really concerned about someone's soul, and and they need correction, then we need to offer it. That's a good motive. If we really love them, in other words, we're not just trying to hurt them or put them down, or we're, we actually are concerned for their soul's well-being. That's a good motive. We need to follow up on that. And and they or we, as it were, being the recipients of the criticism, need to be able to take it. I mean, the world's not coming to an end because we've been criticized. Uh, I tell right. you, some of these folks better not. Run for president. Yeah, <laughs> I remember a, a, an, an old article. I read it years ago, and I've never forgotten it. By Robert Turner. Many of our listeners mm-hmm. will remember Robert Turner. For years, he put out a really wonderful uh, church bulletin called Plain Talk, 
And I think he, that ended up being a little book or he something. He ended up publishing yeah. all those those yeah. bulletins into a book. But uh, I remember him in one article talking about he was a young preacher, and someone had strongly criticized sent him a letter, critical. And he was in the process of firing off a hot reply. Mm-hmm. He was he was composing a, an answer man. He was laying it down. And an older elder of the church came in, and, and Robert explained the situation to him. And and the and the older man said, "Well, Robert, he said we're not dogs. We don't have to bark back every time somebody barks at us." And he said he really took that to heart. And I think that's good advice. In other words, sometimes, as you say, we just need to take it. You know, we don't have to we don't have to get angry and upset every time because sometimes we need that inst- that that uh, instruction. We're past time for a break. We're going to go to that. We're going to continue on the other side talking about this matter of. Offering criticism, complaining, if you will, some of it should be avoided, absolutely. Other times it's necessary to say some things that need to be said. When we come back from this break, we're going to pick up our discussion. We'd love to hear from you, 877-381-4567, or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. When a fellow Christian offered his assessment that we're not doing enough, I was upset and offended. My immediate reaction was negative and defensive. After all, I thought, this man is uninformed of many things that are being done by others and unaware of a host of activities that have been done in the past. My mind raced to compile a catalog of good deeds that would dispel his claim. I was sure that I could prove that his appraisal was completely off base. As my first blush of anger subsided and I could see clearly again, I began to realize some important points relative to this man's charge. First, it is true that this brother is oblivious to many things that have been done and are currently being done on behalf of others. But we never have to fear that God in heaven is ignorant of these important deeds. We know that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good, Proverbs 15.3. Furthermore, we know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord, 1 Corinthians 15.58. So while other men often do not know what is being done, we can be sure that God does, and that's really all that matters. Secondly, I must admit that the charge we're not doing enough is in fact true. No one ever can honestly say, I've done all I can. I've exceeded what is expected. I've accomplished it all. No matter what we've done, there's always more that can and should be done. Remember the words of Jesus. He said, so likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Luke 17, verse 10. So while the brother who made the accusation needs to be more careful with his approach, we can still benefit from a reevaluation of our work in God's kingdom. We can work harder, longer, and smarter, and we should. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Cole, and I'm eight years old. My name is Thomas, and I'm seven years old. And our families love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. And one of the guys taking it away tonight is Chris Bates. Chris, thanks for joining us on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. I've been accused of talking to myself before, but <laughs> that, this is ridiculous. That almost is talking to yourself <laughs> right there, isn't it? All right. We continue our discussion. We're talking about complaining, and we're we're, we're using complaining as the negative. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about offering criticism, and sometimes there's a positive way to do that. We, we're wanting to do that positively and not negatively. And we've talked about motives, and some sometimes that... Uh, uh, 
our motives are in question when we complain. And if that's so, we need to clean that up in a hurry. Another thing we need to do, Chris, in this regard is to sort of evaluate, and we've already talked about self-evaluation, but ask yourself some specific questions. In doing this, am I being humble, gentle, patient, long-suffering, loving? In other words, is my demeanor such that it's obvious that I'm doing this from a true, genuine, sincere, caring position? In other words, if I've got to come to you, Chris, I want you to know that the only reason I'm doing that is because I really care for your well-being. I'm not doing this for any any other reason. And I want that to be obvious. And it can only be obvious if it's if, if it's literally true in my heart. Well, if I can if I can speak from a personal perspective, uh, we've known each other quite some time and I've received that criticism from you over the years. And I've never felt like it was uh, un, undue or I may have I may have at the time thought, well, I didn't, didn't expect this, but. But uh, I've never thought that, uh, you know, later in the day when I've thought more about it, that uh, it was all from a from an impure motive. Uh, I, I always understood the criticism to be genuine and and, uh, and deserved. So uh, I, I don't know how others are going to see that necessarily, because uh, and what I mean is uh, kind of like the opponents of truth. You know, when you preach the truth, you can you can do it forcefully and firmly or you can do it with a smile on your face. And I heard an old preacher say this one time that uh, there's a million ways he can skin an old cat, and any way he does it, the old cat isn't going to like it. Right. So uh, th- that's true also of, of receiving the criticism. Even though you may have the attitude that you should have, uh, you may have a quarrel against me, and you, you come to me in humility, in loving kindness. You come to me with patience uh, toward me and, and a desire to see uh, a turnaround for the Lord and a desire to see a restoration of the soul. I may yet receive it with with the wrong attitude. So even under what you're saying, even under the best of conditions, it's a tough situation. (laughs) It's a hard sell. Yeah. Yeah. And so we really got to be sure that we're coming across sincerely in that manner. In Colossians chapter three, verse 12, beginning, Paul said, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And so look at all those necessary attitudes that he put there. And he, he mentioned it in the context of the possibility that there would be quarrels between brethren. And when there are quarrels between brethren, you really got to be careful to have the right attitude. Interesting. The New American Standard, which is what I'm using here, uh, reads on that particular verse in verse 13, whoever has a complaint against anyone. Yeah. So in the context of having a complaint, he mentions things like humbleness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing, forgiving. Yeah. When there's a complaint, you've got a complaint. You've got to have those other things in place or the complaint is going to lead not to resolution or help. It's going to make things worse. And making things worse is what we're trying to avoid. That can can be a real problem in the local church. It can be a real problem in that individual relationship. That's not what we're after here. Right. Exactly right. Um, Let's go to a very familiar verse, a passage on love. First Corinthians 13, beginning verse four. And I, I, I want to read just part of that. First Corinthians thirteen four through seven, charity. And this is the King James version. Other versions would say love. Charity suffereth long in his kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. 
seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Notice some of the characteristics there. The true characteristics of love are going to help us from being quarrelsome, uh, negative complaining, nagging, uh, divisive. Uh, charity suffereth long as kind. Uh, in other words, if I got love in my heart for my brethren, I'm not ready to fight at a moment's notice. I mean, some some people act like, boy, you, I got a chip on my shoulder. Knock, please knock it off so I can so I can strike <laughs> back. And and we should not be that way if we have love. Love does not envy. There's no jealousy. There's no desire to make the other person look bad. Ch- uh, love or charity does not vaunt itself, is not puffed up. In other words, we're not driven by some kind of a competitive spirit wherein it's very important that I look better than you look. Mm-hmm. That should not be in my heart if I have love for my brother. Uh, it does not behave itself unseemly. Uh, seeketh not her own. In other words, not, it's not about me. It's about the general good. It's not about me in particular. Not easily provoked. Some people are, i got to tell you. <laughs> there are some people that are far too easily provoked. And thinketh no evil. In other words, in our relationships as brethren, we should not, as a first reaction, assume the worst. That's right. But I think a lot of people do. They just, you know, they assume the worst and they act on the basis of that assumption. And then, man, things really do blow up. Yeah, and that's that is a a characteristic where there is not love or charity in the heart of one toward another. John said in First John chapter three, "Little children, let us not love in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth." And that's the harder that's the harder part. So if we're going to love in deed and in truth, uh, then these characteristics of charity or love, as is demonstrated in First Corinthians thirteen, will be ever present and will will seek to keep this unity intact through these times of complaint. Exactly right. So several things here that we're putting together, when when you've got this kind of a situation where there's something that needs to be addressed, first, am I part of the problem? Therefore, if, if so, definitely I need to take care of myself first. Do I have a right motive? Am I coming across with a with a proper disposition? Is my is my attitude sincere and obviously so? Uh, all those things are necessary. Uh, another thing, Chris, that we talked about a little bit is the idea of submissiveness. Am I being submissive? Um, and that especially goes, as we were saying earlier, to situations where judgments are being applied. And sometimes we have to, to make judgments as to how we're going to go forward, what we're going to do. Am I being submissive in, in, in matters where it is not, it's not critical? We're we're allowed to exercise judgment. Does am I the kind of person who's it's got to be my way or else? And if I am, then then I'm going to cause trouble almost unavoidably. Well, let's try to just for the sake of getting it in our heads, what you know matters of judgment um, and where some are not willing to submit. In other words, here, here what is not a matter of judgment is some of the things we do in worship, like for instance. Uh, when we come together to worship the Lord on the first day of the week, we see in the New Testament that the disciples ate the Lord's Supper. That's not negotiable. We can't maneuver around that. Now, what we can do is determine whether or not we're going to have the Lord's Supper before the sermon or after the sermon, whether or not we're going to have a song before the Lord's Supper. 
whether or not we're going to have some comments made at, at the serving of the Lord's Supper. If we have not done those things particularly, those areas of judgment, but we have observed the Lord's Supper, um, and someone says, well, I would like to do this, I would like to do that. In other words, I would like to have the Lord's Supper after the sermon instead of before, and and the rest of the congregation or some in the congregation decide to revolt against that. So we've always done it this way. This is We're not going to change that. That's not a submissive attitude. I mean, that if it's not affecting the uh, overall spirit of the observance of it, and if it's not violating the authority of God in moving it from one place in the service to another as long as it is still on the first day of the week, then I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fall out over that. I'm just not gonna make a big deal about that. It doesn't have to it it doesn't have to be my way. And or or and I and I might even of, I might even feel like I've got some reasons why I think it might be better done differently. Right. But but even at that, if I make my case and others sure. don't don't see the see the see it the same way I do, then if I'm submissive. Then I say, okay. Of a much less nature. Suppose the elders of, of a local church who are overseers of the local church, they're shepherding the flock of God among them, make the decision that um, instead of opening every service with announcements, we're going to open every service with a song. And at the conclusion of that song, then we will have the announcements. Now, in a number of assemblies, that might seem out of the ordinary. That's not the way it's done in a number of places. We always start with announcements. But where is that a violation of Scripture to start with a song and then have the announcements later? I can just see some folks having a real fit over that. No, this is not how we've done it. We've always started with the announcements. So even though the elders make a decision that does not violate anything the Word of God has to say and is within the scope of their authority in shepherding the flock of God, you have this inclination to rebel. And and I think that that is detrimental to the rebeller. That's right. And it's and it's actually a sin. First Peter 5, verse 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. And so we have to be humble, and we can, and we have to be submissive. And if we don't, we're not fulfilling the will of God. So that's very important. We're, we're up against our last break. We're going to take it, and we're going to go to the top of the hour when we get back. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, call us or send us an email. We've got a, a few comments here that we want to cover from the chat room and in the email, but we'd still love to hear from you. We'll be right back uh, after this break. Hello, my name is Trent Haynes, and I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. In a scanning of the book of Proverbs, it provides us several reasons to discipline our children. To show you don't hate them, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him, chapter 13, verse 24. To give them hope, discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death, chapter 19, verse 18. To help them for a lifetime, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Chapter 22, verse 6. To chase away foolishness. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Chapter 22, verse 15. To save his soul, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with a rod, he will not die. Punish him with a rod and save his soul from death. Chapter 23, verse 13 through 14. For your own comfort, discipline your child, and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. Chapter 29, verse 17. Parents need to read and understand these passages. So too should our children. 
I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile in South America, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program too. Gracias. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And we're back for our final segment of the Virtual Bible Study on this Thanksgiving night in 2009. Thanks for joining us. We thank you for taking time to be a part of the program tonight. We know it's been a busy day for lots of people, and we uh, are encouraged by the fact that you've taken time here at the end of the day to join us in Bible study. We're talking about complaining. Sort of, Chris, we've sort of been blending in with that, the idea of criticism. Criticism, complaining, which is sort of has a negative connotation. But there is such a thing as positive criticism uh, in the chat room anthony says that his big boss says assume positive intent <laughs> that, that's, a, that's probably yeah, a pretty good rule right. in other words if if someone comes to you and says something your first reaction should not be yeah. to to be mad and and <laughs> and assume the worst about their motive but assume that they had a good sure. intention although some bosses make that difficult <laughs> yeah exactly right uh, so I, I, I like that that thought. Uh, yeah. um, Sharon mentions the complainer could possibly have a change in attitude or be saved if not a Christian because of the way his or her criticism is accepted. In other words, maybe somebody has a bad attitude, yeah. but when they come to me, I react positively. Or I, in other words, they're coming at me with a criticism, and they've got a bad attitude in the doing of it but even at that i still react as i should Mm -hmm. that might that might have the the counter effect of changing their attitude that that's kind of interesting appreciate sharing for bringing that out uh jacob uh in the chat room mentions proverbs 1920 listen to advice and accept instruction and in the end you will be wise pretty good uh Okay, uh, I'm, I'm getting all kind of information coming up on the screen all at once. So, so I think all of those are good things. Uh, one of the questions that we asked was, "What about judging?" Uh, and I want to go to Anthony's Anthony's email. Uh, he says concerning judging, we would all do well to understand Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter seven. We ought not to judge hypocritically, which is the point of the chapter. We must also speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15. The point of judging others should not be to elevate ourselves or to degrade others, but it should be to save that person's soul. Uh, and so in the judging matter, we need to be careful to make sure that we're judging properly. In John chapter 7 and verse 24, Jesus said, judge righteous judgment. So all the idea that... That, that by the way, is a command. That is a command, exactly right. And so all of the of the mis, mistaken public opinion that you can never judge someone, that's just wrong. We, well, we have to judge, but we have to do it right. If we're going to take the Bible as the word of God, if we're going to agree together that the Bible is our only standard, if we're not going to agree on that, then we're kind of wasting time in a discussion. But if we're going to agree that the Bible is the inspired word of God, the source of all spiritual information, and it is the blueprint for how we should live here and now, then we have to accept all that it teaches. One of the thoughts that comes to my mind when we have this discussion about judging is the letter Paul wrote to the Corinthians. And in chapter 5, there was a situation where a member there at Corinth had taken up with his own stepmother. He had begun to commit fornication with his father's wife. And Paul judged that. As a matter of fact, in the New American Standard, 
In 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 3, Paul says, For I on my part, though absent in body, but present in spirit, I'm not even there. I'm aware of what's going on. I'm not there. I'm absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged him who has so committed this as though I were present. So here, Paul has passed judgment. He's telling the brethren at Corinth to pass judgment on the act by withdrawing from this fellow. Tells them in verse 13, remove the wicked man from among yourselves. That's what he commanded them to do. To do that, some judgment has to be made. Absolutely. And, and as you said, this is a command. We can't avoid the necessary judgments. But we need, as, as Anthony says, we've got to speak the truth in love. Our point should be not to elevate ourselves, but to save them. All of those kind of things are certainly appropriate. Can I say one more thing yeah. about this judging? And again, how we say it, and Anthony's right, we have to speak the truth in love. Paul was very clear about that. But then again, there is the way in which it is perceived. You can speak the truth in love, and it's not received very well. Now, consider this letter from Paul to Titus. In Titus chapter 1, and beginning in verse 12, he said, One of themselves, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. And then Paul says in verse 13, This testimony is true. For this reason, reprove them severely so that they may be sound in the faith, so on and so forth. I mean, that's pretty straightforward. I say he spoke the truth in love, but the point is he made a judgment. He passed a judgment uh, on the basis of the divine standard of God. And if he did that, we can do that and be right in doing it. Exactly so. Exactly so. One thing about judging that always rubs people wrong is if we are trying to hold them up to a higher standard than we're willing to live to ourselves. Right. I mean, I, I, if you come at me, Chris, and you're telling me that I need to change something, but I know that you, you're, you're not doing what you're telling me to do. I tell you, I can't. I, I don't. It's hard, rec- it's hard I don't, to receive that. It's hard to receive that. Yeah. Uh, in Romans chapter two, verse one, Paul said, "Thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same thing." <laughs> you know, and and that's the point that Paul was making there. It's it's a fruitless endeavor to try and correct others when you're guilty of, of the same or worse and you're not making correction yourself. Don't do that. I, and But I do think, especially in the church, Christians are often guilty of a double standard. Yeah. You know, they expect more of other people than they're willing to do themselves. For instance, uh, we, we often hear people say, oh, the church is just so unfriendly. I just think the church is unfriendly. Or... We're not doing enough, or the church is not doing. They're usually what they say. They don't say we. They say they're not doing enough. Uh, That's kind of a sweeping judgment. That is a really broad but, brush. But to when paint you, with. And when you boil it down, these people who are making the not friendly criticism mm-hmm. are often some of the most unfriendly people. <laughs> the people who make the we're not doing enough or they're not doing enough sure. criticism are not doing anything themselves. So, you know, to hold people to a higher standard than you're willing to live to yourself doesn't get the job done. Right. You can't do that. And that's, that's ineffective judging. That's some of the hypocritical kind of judging, as Anthony said, that Matthew chapter 7 condemns. Yeah, and we want to make sure that people understand. We're not, we're not uh, talking about, uh, you know, judging from the perspective of everybody going around looking for something to find wrong, looking down their nose at everybody else. But I have also found that those who are critical of others passing judgment – 
you know, you shouldn't judge. You shouldn't say this. You shouldn't say that. Uh, you sh- you shouldn't say, uh, say that this person is wrong, or you shouldn't condemn that view. You you know, even though the scriptures say one thing and they say something else, you shouldn't do that. I have found those people to be quite judgmental. The the, the critics of those who pass judgment according to the divine standard of God, I have found that their critics to be rather judgmental also. Yeah, yeah. It's just like you say, a double standard. Exactly. Real quickly, how can I do a better job? How can I be a better one at offering necessary criticism? Anthony says, pray, consider your own imperfections more. Perhaps we'll be less inclined to be spiteful. Yeah. I think that's, that's exactly. a good, yeah. Uh, when I've got to say, when something has to be said, think before you speak. Can I offer this in a constructive way rather than negatively? For instance, here's, here's a contrast, Chris. The singing is just awful. (laughs) Or, you know, I think we could improve our singing. Maybe we should have some classes. You know, maybe we could maybe we could make a specific goal and do some things, you know, like having classes, get a good song leader to come in here and help us. Maybe we could get our singing better. Don't you think that'd be a good idea? You know. Which one of those two approaches is likely to get a better reaction? Well, the latter is. Sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's and, more and, constructive. Yeah. Uh, although if, if, the, if the former statement was true then, uh, and it was said that way, if it's true, we need to kind of work on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if that's a true evaluation, then right. I guess there's some benefit. I mean, I, I ought to acknowledge that sure. our singing is bad. But the, the guy who said it that way sure isn't offering much help. That's right. That's right. Uh, and then – Right here as we wrap this up, Chris, we got to be willing to be a part of the solution. If if things are not right, if if improvements need to be made, if there are things that need to be changed, fine, good. That That's always been the case. Sure. There, there's, there's no perfect churches, never have been. And so in any congregation, there are going to be situations that we could do better. But if I'm going to complain about it, I need to be ready to be a part of the solution to it. Don't you think that's right? I think that's exactly right. I think we have to be those who roll up sleeves and be willing to make the changes that are necessary in order to please the Lord. You know, uh, Jesus condemned the Pharisees in Matthew 23 when he said, They bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. You know, that's the way a lot of these complainers are. They got all kind of complaint, but they're not willing to do one thing to improve the situation and make it better. That's not that's not not helpful. It doesn't work. Armchair quarterbacks don't accomplish anything that's in right. sports. It don't accomplish anything in the Lord's church. I got I got one more comment here in Anthony's email. He said, um, "Are we are are we biblically commanded not to complain ever? Is this, is it okay to complain about a computer that's always malfunctioning, <laughs> or when we get poor service at a restaurant?" Or do certain New Testament passages teach us that we're never to complain about anything? I've encountered some brethren who take this view. Would you be uh, would be interested in hearing your discussion? I, I I think from what we said all through the program tonight, we we acknowledge that certain things need to be pointed out. Well, like, uh, but like in, a right, in, a, in a right point, in a right frame of mind, with a right attitude. But especially like what what he's asking there, like a computer going down and it just kind of gives you fits and you can't help but to say and, something. And your answer would be get a Mac. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it just works. You know? But uh, Philippians two, and I think that what people are doing is misunderstanding Philippians two fourteen: do all things without grumbling or disputing. Um, so that so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world. I think that that latter part modifies the 
all things without grumbling or disputing or complaining. That we're not talking about trivial matters like a computer going down. We're talking about in the sight of men where the uh, the complaint that we offer is so detrimental to the cause of Christ right. and that we are perceived that way. Yeah, our discussion tonight, and we're just out of time, but our discussion tonight has been about kingdom things primarily. But in regards to Anthony's question, I would say I don't want to come across as just a, a negative, griping person. Some people do about restaurant service, about their computer yeah. service, about it, you know, and some of that, although I don't think it, it, it you know, maybe uh, attaches specifically to the things we were discussing. Tonight, some of that, I develop a reputation. Right. And I don't want to have the reputation that I'm just always negative, always griping. I don't want, you know, sometimes, you know, we do complain, but we don't want to we don't want to have the reputation as a person who's never happy with anything. And I think we want to guard our influence. Uh, probably in response to Anthony's question, I'd more say, let's be careful and guard our influence in regards to that. Yeah. All right. We're out of time. We appreciate all of you for listening to the virtual Bible study tonight. Appreciate you taking time at the end of this Thanksgiving day to join us for our weekly Bible, uh, uh, Internet Bible study group. Lord willing, we'll be back next Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. And we encourage you to be here at that time between now and then. Read your Bible, study it, live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for joining us on the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit college.